Hi, welcome to This Week in Our Collective Heads. I'm Kevin, and and that's it, because it's just me this week. Uh, we had some scheduling issues, uh, primarily due to the fact that we had a two-hour podcast that has to do with the intricacies of Bloodborne, and we expected it to be a lot less than that. So um, apologies for everyone who isn't interested in Bloodborne, but for those who are, we have a lot of content for you this week. So we'll go ahead and dive deep into the news. And uh, again, sorry that Patrick's not here. So if you're here to watch us or to listen mostly to Patrick, this might not be your episode. If, however, you just want to sit and listen to me, this is your chance. This is the episode you've been waiting for. So starting with the news, um, Activision bought Candy Crush developer King for $5.9 billion with a B. So they could have bought... Uh, the purchases of uh, Star Wars by Disney and uh, Mojang by Microsoft, the the Minecraft developers, both are about the same as Candy Crush, which is really really bizarre to me. I don't I don't know if they're going to to take the the you know make three or match three type things and just see what they can do with them, but I I don't I don't know what they have to offer, but. The people who make these decisions get paid way more than I do, and they know way more about this company than I do, so we'll see what happens there. Um, one one theory that I've heard tossed around is that they're going to uh, have King do kind of like match three type stuff or or themed games for them. So like, uh, I don't know, maybe match three Ingrams and you can work on your uh, Destiny character while you're away from home. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they do with it. Um, it'll take a while for all that to get running. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was just a, it was just a really bizarre story. In happy news, uh, SNK Playmore uh, said that they were going to drop Pachinko games and double down on video games. Uh, for those of you who don't know, SNK Playmore are the ones who do the Samurai Showdown and King of Fighters games. Uh, they also have the Metal Slug series. And I think it's really interesting, uh, particularly the fact that they are doing essentially the inverse of what Konami did maybe six months ago, where they say, okay, look, Pachinko is, is a thing, but video games is something that we can rely on, which is essentially what their press release said. I, I applaud them for it, and I'm, I'm happy. I actually bought the uh, Metal Slug collection for my Vita, so I'm going to be playing those a little bit. Yeah, so support your devs. The, the people that are out there making the games for us, give them money so that they don't just go make pachinko, you know, if they're giving you something you want. We have a new... This this was actually some of the, the Bloodborne news that didn't make it into the episode. Um, Bloodborne releases a patch with a co-op alliance called the league and it's going to be a an alliance that's essentially about co-op uh, as far as we can tell um it's going to be where you you go in and you get you get points and you can rank up by helping other people in the game which i think is a is a tremendous thing and i've actually started uh updating my build to be more helpful in co-op so we'll see what that looks like whenever it comes out, um, but that's going to be free and completely separate from the old Hunters DLC that's coming at the end of this month. So that's exciting, and I know that there's also going to be some more NPC Hunters. Um, Alfred was available for one of the fights versus uh, Bloodstarved Beast, 
and it was it was interesting. Like he's he's not going to win the battle for you, but he is useful, and and you don't have to wait for somebody to shop, pop into your game. So that was fun. Um, Halo Five launched, and we had the reviews last time. We we hadn't actually gotten any of the figures or the numbers, but Microsoft has le- released figures saying that they have the quote biggest launch in series history. Um, the only thing about that is that when they say the biggest launch in series history, they say that that Halo software and hardware sold more than any other Halo in the first day, and it's like, yeah, that's cool, but they're massaging the numbers clearly um, because this was only on next gen consoles, and so the the market itself is actually smaller. But they're including the numbers from the bundles that included Halo Five. And so that means that anybody who went to Sam's and picked up where you can get the console and get a free game, any of those that included Halo 5, they're going to go ahead and throw in the full price, the, the 350 or the 400 if they got the terabyte version. And so it's, it's I don't know, their press releases are always kind of a, look how good we're doing. But I feel like lately developers have been, have been less and less forthcoming with the actual numbers they just they just want something sound bites essentially we have the biggest launch in series history and it was the fastest 24-hour campaign okay whatever how many how many did you sell and and that's that's just the information they're not willing to give us and so it's really hard to to even put this in historical context because that that kind of thing is interesting, but if if we're only getting one side of it, the company spin, that's far less interesting to me. Um, they did, however, also uh, remove one of the multiplayer maps. They also removed the uh, Orion multiplayer map. They said that people were glitching it, uh, committing suicide to get an advantage, and which I'm really curious about how you how you start a match with uh, with a suicide to get an advantage. Maybe it gets you closer to a gun or something, but I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those things that, uh, that we'll, we'll not get to play again, but I'm sure there's footage up on YouTube of people doing weird things. And I love, um, I actually read a quote uh, earlier this week that was a guy talking about play testing. And, uh, and it was, it was really insightful because it, it, talks a little bit about how you know we like we like to complain when games came out and and fallout is another one that that'll be live you know when you get to hear this but uh here's the quote from uh mike gabori who's a game dev he says quote giant games with insanely large amounts of content will ultimately have bugs and issues Keep in mind a test team can only do so much. Even if you had 100 testers working 40-hour weeks, in one year you'd have roughly 8,000 days of test time. A popular title will have ten to hundreds of thousands of people playing it. In one day, this army of people will already have surpassed the testing team's hours exponentially, finding infinitely more scenarios and ways to break something. Once you understand the sheer scope and impossibility of testing everything, you can begin to empathize, offer actionable feedback, and be a part of the game's growth instead of a customer support nightmare. If we can learn from this and move away from this self-entitled gamer movement, the industry as a whole can benefit from consumer to producer. And that's interesting because, like, you know, they were talking about how Fallout 4 was going to be like a 200-hour game. Or maybe, no, that was Witcher. Oh, well. 
but I mean, the game is huge and to, to just go through on a single playthrough and, you know, beat all the levels, do whatever, like you said, you know, if you have, even with an army of testers, you're still only going to experience so much of the game. And, you know, at launch, there's going to be literally tens of thousands of people playing this game in the first 24 hours. And it's really, I don't know. We, we, we are testing it to them to some extent and they will, they will jump on this and they will do everything they can to patch it. But a game that is particularly the, the giant open world type of things, um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, how quickly they're able to patch it and just, you know, kind of see what happens. So anyway, speaking of Fallout, um, the Fallout chat and Pip-Boy app apps are released, um, the chat one allows you to send uh, Fallout gifts and Fallout little pictures and images and stuff, and I'm sure that'll be, you know, fodder for all of us who are playing with it because I I cannot wait. I'm I didn't think I was going to get to play at launch, but I'm going to get to play a couple of hours before I leave for the week, and then you know once the weekend comes, I'll get a little bit more time. But I'm I'm really excited about that. Um, next up, we have there's a study put out recently that says uh, that more women than men own consoles, and this is according to Pew Research Group, so it's it's pretty legitimate research and everything. Um, but I think that's interesting because a lot of the times what we what we see online is a bunch of mostly guys, and and I wonder how long it's going to be before we can actually have you know accurate accurate representation of the ladies who are out there playing. I, I know a lot of women who play games and they are no less hardcore than us. Uh, I met a lady at, uh, at GameStop the other day has a Bloodborne Hunter tattoo, which is awesome. And she was, she was as versed or more into the lore of that than I was. And she had the platinum and it's, there's absolutely no reason for any of us to, to look down on them or to talk about them just because they're female and sorry for the, the swear maybe that'll be edited out i don't know but we need to we need to maintain an open dialogue and and by by creating a an atmosphere of acceptance we'll be we'll be much better off all of us will be um yeah uh squeenix asked if they should include moogles via twitter they put out an account or a, a tweet that said hey so do you guys like Moogles? Do you think we should include them in the game? They're, okay, they've already been making this game for how long, and they're just now figuring out if they're going to have Moogles in it? Um, yeah, I, I don't... This game is never coming out. It's it's definitely... I, I, I'll bet money that it's not coming out 2016. If, if they're still figuring out some of the features that they're going to put in, that's an issue. Um, so on their official poll, it was like 78% of people said, yes, we want Moogles. It's a Final Fantasy game. We didn't get to make comments, but we just said, yes, we want Moogles. And so they said, okay, well, we'll figure out how to squeeze them in. And it's, it, Squeenix is such a weird company, and their, their, their entire process confuses me. And I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. So, yeah. Um... So then, then we have a little bit of backwards compatibility here. I'll go ahead and squish these two stories together. Um, the Xbox One first 100 backwards compatible titles were revealed. Um, those are those are up on Microsoft's website, the Xbox website. Um, there's some interesting stuff in there. Um, the the entire 
uh, run of the Gears of War stuff is in there, and like the first Fable. There's there's some really quality titles in there. Fallout Three. Um, but the the interesting thing about it is, is is I was looking at the list and it's 105 games. It only goes up to L, and I I, I wonder about the the prioritization of alphabetical order. It's just kind of weird to me. Um, and then on the PlayStation side of backwards compatibility, PlayStation now has added 105 more games. Um, it's a lot of Capcom stuff, uh, Mega Man 9 and 10, some of the fighting games, a uh, bunch of the Resident Evils, uh, 4, 5, 6. Yeah, just... And the thing is that they added 105 more games. They have a free trial. Honestly, if they added the entirety of the PlayStation 3 library, I would still not be interested. I, I want to I see PS2, PS1 titles. I, I feel like the PS3 stuff I played... That's fine, but like I've I've bought Final Fantasy VI, I've bought Chrono Trigger, uh, Symphony of the Night, you know th- those kind of titles. Give me those ones. Let me play that at home. Um, and it's already been emulated for the PS3. It's already been emulated for the Vita. This to me seems like money that they're just leaving on the table. It it can't be that difficult once you if you if you can toggle it over to a cell processor how difficult is it to pull it over to x86 architecture i I do not understand that and i I would really like them to see just you know basic playstation even later hell there's one available online go go torn it sony (sighs) yeah (laughs) sorry when when i don't when i don't have somebody to, to to bounce this off of i just end up looking at the microphone being like you know you understand and it 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 doesn't microphone doesn't understand me at all game launches uh black oops 3 uh it's it's another arkham knight situation it works fine on consoles the pc launch is is broken there are people who were reporting on steam that they would uh turn the game on and wouldn't be able to get past the the opening load screen and i you know just 10 minutes ago, I said that, hey, you know, we should give them a little bit more slack and there's things that we're going to run into that they're not. Turning the game on is not one of those things. Turning the game on should be something that everybody should be able to do with a fair amount of reliability. I, I, I do not understand that. And I don't understand how a company as big as them thinks that that's going to be forgotten. I mean, I don't, I don't feel that we're that much of a pushover community. Maybe we are. I mean, people are, are grabbing Fallout Four, you know, before the before the reviews come out. I I waited. I read the reviews, and they've said yes, it's it's buggy. It's it's, it's got some severe issues. Um, honestly, after after looking at all these things and the and the likelihood of these coming up, the ability to save anywhere, backup saves. You know, most of the time on console, you've got your autosave and maybe one more. But um, the way that Fallout has created their their save system, I think it'll be pretty. Even if it is as buggy as it's as is claimed, I feel like it's something that that I'm going to be able to you know kind of sit down, look at, and and keep a consistent save file running. I shouldn't have to do that, and and I know I'm making excuses for them, but. Uh, I'm sure they have already started working on stuff and they have they're 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 gonna work on it. I'm gonna play the game and we'll see what happens. We'll we'll have fun with it. Um, like I said, I'm probably gonna get the first hour in tonight and then uh, 
We'll talk about it more next week on the program when I actually have somebody to talk to. Because right now I don't. There's a there's another weird story. Um, Syndicate, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Um, they have costumes. Most games have costumes now. The weird thing is that the Syndicate costumes are between 700 meg and a gig point two a piece. Like the steampunk outfit is 1.2 gigabytes. I have no idea how that's even possible. I looked up the the stats for the Arkham Knight um, various costumes, and those are approximately 12, 13 meg a piece. So how do you get to a gig for a costume? That that I I I would just love to know what's in there, how it got to that. I mean. I, I, it, it just it just kind of blows my mind if they're if they're doing full motion video capture and then they're putting the video into the game I don't know it's 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 weird it's strange and it's uh, confusing but it's interesting and that's that's the kind of stories I like best the ones that are weird confusing and interesting confusing stories yeah which obviously you know that's why we have the the whole big thing on Bloodborne Game Facts also turned twenty this week. Which, you know, back in the in the earlier days of the internet, and yeah, that that makes me sound old. But in the earlier days of the internet, when we were dealing with you know dial-up modems, there there wasn't there wasn't the whole video walkthroughs, all those kind of things. There was a lot of axi art and all that kind of stuff, and it was it was it was interesting to to think back to to the days when when you would go on there and you'd be like, okay, I need a guide for the, the weapons and the usefulness of those weapons and the stats on them for uh, for Final Fantasy VI. You know, I want I want to see what the what the best ones are. And you would go through, and somebody had taken the time to manually because I mean this this isn't done via spreadsheet. These are like plain text guides. It's it's absolutely amazing. If you if you want to go back, if if you did not spend time with Game Facts. Go back and look at that and see the care and love and time that people were willing to put into the guides. I'm not I'm not trying to belittle anyone who's doing that kind of thing now, but it's <laughs> it, it really is and and it reminds me of the kind of the basis of of the love of video games, the community that that we create and the the affection that we have for our hobby. So it's, it's really fun to go over there and look. Um they're also running a thing right now where they're having like the best video games of all time and all that kind of stuff. And so it's really fun to, to look at that and just, you know, kind of see what's, what's going on there. And yeah, it's, it's a pretty neat thing. Then we have another uh, listener letter and this is from Jeremy. Now I won't, I won't out you, but uh, Jeremy, you know who you are. Uh, He said, interesting thought. I'd like everyone to find their favorite game ever. I currently don't even have an answer. I'm just kind of excited thinking it through. So thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for sending that in. Um, <laughs> my answer has has been Final Fantasy VI for a for a very very long time, and it's you know we we had an entire podcast on that. I won't I won't bore you with running through that again. Um, but I was I was thinking you know what's my more recent favorite game? What what game is it that I've played in the last you know ten years or whatever that has just really sucked me in? And I had some I had some really good some really good candidates. Um, Far Cry Three is really an astounding title. Um, 
there there are very few first person shooters that I can that I can go through and and even play. You know, I need a good system like like Vats or like Stealth. I need something else that I can that I can do in a first person shooter because just shooting guys, I'm not going to be that good and I'm going to die a bunch. Um, and that's that's not as much fun for me. So for me, Far Cry Three is an is an excellent example of first person stealth done well, um, and I really appreciated that. Um, and then the the other one that I I came up with that's that's my final answer is going to be um, Binding of Isaac. I've been playing that on my Vita since December of last year, and so yeah, coming up on ten months, and it's it's different every time. There's so much replayability. I've I've I can honestly say that over the 150, 170, 200, I, I, I don't know. I, I know it's well over 150. That's, that's about all, all the stats I have on, on how many times I've played it. But every time, every game has been different. And okay, here's, here's a quick story for those of you who are, who are into Binding of Isaac. Um, so I had a run, I was working on the, um, oh, what's it called? The beans challenge. Um, and your main weapon in, in Binding of Isaac is tears. And in this particular challenge, you have no tears. You have a bean which poisons enemies, and um, and you you can activate that every room, and then it slowly charges automatically. So you can you can use it. Then you dodge around enemies and whatever. And then they give you ninety nine bombs at the start, so that you have a have kind of a backup weapon. Um, so I'm playing through, and I I pick up a pill. You don't know what pills are till you use them. And I picked it, and it said, and it's the special effect. Bombs are key. <laughs> Those of you who have played Binding of Isaac know what that means. That means that my sixty-something bombs, however many I had, was now switched, and now that was how many keys I had. And yeah, that's that's going to be problematic because I have to wait about thirty seconds for the the bean power up to charge and so i was very nearly convinced that my run was done like i I was finished i couldn't win and uh but i i decided to keep on going not worry about restarting just see what happened and on that same floor about three rooms later uh i came upon two items i came upon um guppy's head which enables me to summon flies, which go out on automatically and and uh, attack for me. And then I got uh, Revenge Fly, which once I've been hit in a room, then it kind of activates it, and it will go out and try to find enemies and attack them relentlessly until the entire room is cleared. So I went from having a pretty good run to a situation where I didn't think I could even possibly win to a fair amount of confidence that I would be able to win. And all of that, all of that turnaround is just chance. And it makes for, it makes for a wonderful story. I, I don't, I don't know how good of a story that is for those of you who don't, <laughs> who don't know this game. Uh, but like, it's, it's just a really fun story and it gets me thinking about, I really enjoy a story well told the last of us. Actually, that's another candidate for for top games because that was one of the most emotional games I've ever played through. Um, that's another fantastic title, but I, I really enjoyed the story. They told me a story, and I, I absorbed it. I went through it, and I went through it with the characters, 
and I connected to them in in a way. But then, Binding of Isaac is a is a game that has it has a weird story. I'm not sure what the hell's going on there, but the more the the better story that comes through in that game is the story that I make, the story that my characters made, um, just by chance. These are not things that you know. Macmillan and the designers, they didn't they didn't foresee a situation where this happened. They just set up a game where it could happen. And and that's the beauty of it. And that's that's kind of one of the things in a way that uh, that I anticipate from Fallout. They have created a world where things can happen. There's going to be a story. There's going to be scenarios and quests and things that they have carefully designed and figured out how they're going to work. But um They've created a world where things can happen, and I really appreciate games that are that are willing to to go out and do that. That they they put out a game, they put out a world where I get to explore, I get to run around and find, discover, explore the world that they've made, and see what my story is. And Binding of Isaac is for me the kind of the epitome of that because there's so many items, so many different things can happen. It's 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 just a remarkable thing. And, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a really fantastic game. It's, it's available pretty much everywhere, uh, from the Wii U to the Xbox one, possibly 360, and, uh, yeah, highly recommend it. Well, that's our show for today. I apologize that it's so short, um, but apparently me monologuing is, is not as, uh, not as engaging, so... Yeah, thanks for tuning in, and next week we'll be back to your regularly scheduled program with uh, with Patrick and I and video, where you get to see our beautiful faces. And I don't know about beautiful. Anyway, so that's what we got. Thanks, and have a good one. Mm-hmm.